This is Jim Laws along with Nat Ayers, and we are delighted to be with you today on the Gospel is for All Internet Radio broadcast. This Internet Radio program is brought to you by the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. We're always delighted to have you study with us, and we'd be delighted to have you come and worship with us at the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler. Whenever you have the opportunity, we encourage you to come and be with us and to worship and study the Bible together. Our class times are 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. Our worship is at 10. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6. And then we meet each Wednesday evening for Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. That's the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. And we're very happy to be with you today on the Internet Radio Program over the TGRN network system, and we look forward to studying the Bible with you. Now, always a privilege and a pleasure for us to be together. I hope you have your Bible with you and that you'll follow along with us as we study from its pages today. Today, Nat, we're looking at a couple of passages of Scripture that I'd like for you to read for us. The first one comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, and then the second one comes from James chapter 2, 24 through 26. You know, there's a very popular notion out there today that a person who believes in Christ is saved before he is baptized. And if you ask a number of people, you'll probably find a number of people who actually believe that. But our question today is not so much who believes it as is what does the Bible say? So without any further discussion on my part, let's go to the Bible and consider what the Bible says about this interesting subject in question. Nat, our first passage for consideration, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and verse 9. Thank you, Brother Jim. Uh, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with our listeners. And uh, we are, uh, this is a great topic. You know, the world is confused on many topics in the Bible. But this this topic is one not to be confused on at all. We don't want to be confused, of course, on any topic, but but we're talking about uh, what is necessary for salvation. What is what is it that that we must do to be saved? And we don't want to get be wrong on that. Uh, we want to know what to do to be saved. We want to do what it is that we need to do to be pleasing to God, so that we can become children of God and be saved and be with Him in heaven. And uh, this comes uh, on the end. We just had a gospel meeting uh, this past week with Rick Brumback, and uh, we talked a lot about these issues. and And uh, I don't know, Jim's fired up about it. I'm fired up about it. This is something that we ought to be excited about to study God's word, to know how to please Him, leave the world behind, leave what what the world teaches behind, and look at God's word and see what does it say for my life. So let's look at this. Ephesians two verse eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, grace, uh, the grace of God. Um, is there anything, Jim, that we can do is it something we can pay for is it something we can um, do like it says here it works i mean is there anything we can do that would equal the grace that god gives us that would 
that would justify him giving us that grace or unmerited favor uh, that he bestows upon uh, those who are saved. No, there's. it's very clear from this passage that we're saved by grace. That's right. In fact, I'd be the first one to admit that. We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. As Nat has pointed out, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And so uh, there's another point you made, Nat, that I'd like to fall back on again, too, and that is you don't want to get this wrong. You don't. And now, you're, you're right when you say that. This is something we've got to get right. Uh, you don't want to get this one wrong. And there may be some things that there might be some latitude with, but not this one. No. We've got to be very clear in what the Bible says and then do what the Bible says. And as you pointed out in our, our beginning moments, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, Men are saved by grace, yes. and we can't put God in our debt. We cannot be so good and so perfect that we go up to God and say, okay, look, I lived a righteous life, a perfect life. Now you owe it to me. Right. Give me what I've earned. Right. Nobody can say no. that. Nobody can say that to God. Nobody can do that. Now, Jesus lived a perfect life. Right. There's no question about that. But I have not lived a perfect life, and no one else has lived a perfect life other than Christ himself. Now, there's another word in this verse, Nat, as we're beginning to consider Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. He says, for, for by grace you have been saved through what? By grace you have been saved through faith. Faith. Right. Faith is the word. Men are saved through faith. That's right. They're saved by grace. They're saved through faith. Now, Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. Right. We've got to have an obedient faith and that faith which follows the will and the word of God. So in this lesson, what we want to learn and what we want to study is the idea. I want to examine, Nat and I will examine the theory that the lost man is saved the very moment he believes that Jesus is the Christ. Now, that's a popular idea. It's a popular notion among religious people that a man is saved by that very at that very moment. Right. When he believes that Jesus is the Son of God, he's saved. Well, as we started off in our discussion today, it's not what people say, it's what the Bible teaches. That, that is right. So with your Bible open, let's examine this particular passage of Scripture. And now I'm going to ask that we turn to James chapter 2 and the verse that I think we ought to read. It begins in verse 24 and then continues through 26, and I think that's the very next step in our discussion along this line. What does the Bible say in James 2, 24 through 26? Yes. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by the works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, Jim, you know, the passage we just read earlier, it, you know, it, it said it's not those works. You know, it's sort of, you read these passages and then, you know, is it a confusing thing? Or do we need to discuss what kind of works are we talking about here? Or, you know, can I be good enough? Can I can I work hard enough that I can earn it? Or are these works of obedience doing what God has asked us to do? The faith plus doing what God has asked us to do, is that what he's talking about? Well, it's that's the important consideration, that yeah. 
for us to consider that. We just read James 2, 24 through 26, and that on the heels of Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Uh, one thing we learned in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace. Yes. And we're also saved through faith. Yes. But now what I've learned here in verse 24 Something of James chapter 2, it's not by faith alone. There you go. It's not by faith alone. Now, you know, it's so interesting to me that the one passage that talks about being saved by faith alone says we're not saved <laughs> by faith right. alone. It's amazing to me. That's right. But it is very clear faith without works is what did he say in verse 26? Faith apart from works is dead. And uh, for us to understand that, it simply means that it does not avail uh, one does not have anything to do with salvation. Right. That's why you'll hear us say a number of times on our, our Internet radio broadcast that it is an obedient faith, a yes. faith that does, a faith that complies. So you're right, Nat. In Ephesians 2, we can't earn the salvation. That's right. But James 2 is telling us there are acts of obedience we must fulfill in order to receive the grace. That's right. And without those acts of obedience, we will not. Men are not justified by, justified by faith only, James 2.24. And when a person simply says, well, I have my faith, but I'm not willing to do anything, that faith is dead. That's right. Now, you know, you come from a background that's kind of a farming, ranching background. Right. That If you're getting ready to plow a garden, but in front of you is a dead mule, what are you going to get? What are you going to accomplish in plowing the garden? You're going to have a real small garden. You're not going to accomplish anything, <laughs> are you? That's right. It's not going to get anything done. You can't get anything done. You have a dead faith. You have a yep. dead mule. You have a dead faith. Yep. And and that's the way it is with regard to God. If our faith does not motivate us to fully trust in God to the point of doing what he's told us to do, yes. it is a dead faith. Yes. You know, here's another passage, Nat. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. You and I have discussed this before, but I'd like to read it in this context. Matthew chapter 7, and the passage is about verse 21. Yep. And you'll fam- you're familiar with the verse, yep. and we'll read on down through 23, I guess. Uh, the paragraph begins yep. and ends at 21 through 23. Right. We're in Matthew chapter 7, and I hope you're turning to that passage of the Bible. It, we're talking about doing the will of God, and that faith includes doing what God has told us to do, doing what God has commanded so that we can receive that grace. Nat, if yes. you'd read Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, that'll get yes. us started on this point. This is a great passage that really contrasts this idea and <clears throat> helps us to understand it a little better. This is not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to you, to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many uh, mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You know, Jim, when I read this passage, I see people who on that day of judgment are going to be crying out that hey we did great things we did works we did we worked hard in this life to do things for you and we cast out demons in your name and we did these mighty works but he's saying it's uh uh lawlessness or it's uh, it was wasn't according to his law to his will it, it's uh we were plowing with a useless uh mule there was nothing that was uh 
worthwhile of what we were doing. And so I see here sincere people, Jim, who were doing things uh, that they may have thought were, hey, this is these were mighty works, as we see here in verse 22, but they weren't according to the will of the Father uh, in verse 21, and so they're going to be counted as lawlessness. Yeah, so true. And how sad is that to live a life? You know, I know that in this world, Jim, there are many people that are sincere in their faith, that their their hearts are crying out to the Lord on a daily basis. But, Jim, what does it mean if their hearts are crying out on a daily basis, but they're not doing the will of the Father? Yeah, are they going to be... Know. Are they going to be counted as righteousness? No. And they're going to, no, the answer is found here in 23, they're going to be counted as lawlessness. That is so true. I hope you're following along with us. We're looking at Matthew chapter 7 right now, and, and it's a very challenging passage. We're discussing verses 21 through 23, and we're doing so in connection with the idea that um, people believe that they're saved the moment they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah or believe at the moment that they that he is the Christ. But the Bible is saying it takes faith, but that faith motivates and prompts to do what God has told us to do. Yep. That's the point Matt, Nat, Nat is making here in Matthew chapter seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does yep. the will of my Father who is in heaven. Yep. So we must do what God has told us to do. And as you brought out, a lot of people say, well, hey, I did this, I did that, but it wasn't by the authority of Christ. It wasn't Christ according not, to the will. wasn't according to the will of God. That is so true. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 needs to surely be studied. Now that brings up an interesting point because I can envision or imagine someone uh, coming up with the idea, well, if a person believes that Christ is the Christ. He must be saved. Can a person believe that Jesus is the Son of God and not be saved? Sure. And the answer to that, of course, is yes. <laughs> Turn with me to John chapter 12. There were people who actually believed that Jesus was the Christ, and they were never saved. Right. In fact, they were still in their sins. In John chapter 12, 42 and 43, needs to be carefully studied. Now, go ahead and read for that. Sure. Read, it, read that for us. I'm in John 12, 42 and 43. Notice what the Scripture says about these particular people. All right, John chapter 12, 42 through 43. If you have your Bibles, we, we encourage you, please, while you're studying with us, have your Bible open and let's study together. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be a part or be put out of the synagogue, uh, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from the from God. You know, Jim. So many times through the years, studying with people, um, hoping that they would become faithful, obedient children of God, something a roadblock came up in the study, and even I've even had people, Jim, and I know you you've had the same say. Nat, I know the Bible is right. I know, I know what you're saying is correct, but, uh, but uh, I have, I had a mama that didn't follow this, and she's died. And what am I going to say to her? You know, what am I going to say to the world that I've been wrong all this time, or you know, the fear of 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 the world, or the glory of this world being wrong, or the, you know, maybe it's arrogance, maybe whatever reason they they put a roadblock up. 
And uh, we see it all the way back in Scripture that there were people that believed, but they used that but, but I'm not willing to do it because of this. For this, then, these, it was fear, and it was for the love yeah. of the glory yeah. of the world. That's right. Uh, and that's discussing for us John twelve forty two and 43, and it's very clear they believed in him. Yes. The text says so. Yep. Uh, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. The yes. him refers to Jesus. Yes. They believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. Yep. You can believe and still not be a Christian. That's right. You can believe and still yep. be lost. Now, there are several verses like this found in the New Testament. Another one's found for us in John chapter 8. And so let's you and I turn to that passage of Scripture and see what the Word of God is saying to us there. Uh, the point of the passage and this series of passages is, uh, the point is that, um, you know, you can believe but still be lost. A person is not saved at the point of belief, as many people assert. But it's a false assertion. In John eight thirty. Uh, through 44. I don't know, Nat, that we have time to read all of that section, but that's a good one for you to read. I hope for uh, as you're studying with us over the internet that you'll look carefully at that, that whole uh, passage of Scripture. But one of the things that he says through the discussion, let me paraphrase some of this and read some of this for you, and I hope you'll read all of it verse by verse. So Jesus, verse 31, said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and truth will set you free. Isn't that a great verse? Verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Well, he discusses that matter. Notice on down in verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham said. You are doing the work of your your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now, you're going to immediately suggest, well, they didn't really believe in him. Well, the text says they did. Yep. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, verse 31, they yep. believed in him. Yep. They realized, but they wouldn't accept right. him as the Messiah. They wouldn't obey him and turn to him out of obedient faith, which is what we're trying to say. Yep. The Bible is saying a person is not saved at the moment of belief in Christ. Go. One must be obedient to the gospel of Christ, freely choose to obey him. And there are a number of passages along this line. In fact, we can become yes. children of God and sons of God, John chapter 1, verses 11 through 13. When, you know, Jim, I think it's important for our listeners to understand, you know, belief is an absolute part of the salvation plan, but it doesn't get it done alone. Uh, belief doesn't carry you all the way to salvation alone. 
And uh, these people believed, but they weren't willing to follow after their beliefs through obedience. Yeah. We're studying from John 8. I hope you'll turn to that Bible passage. And we're looking at a very interesting paragraph. It's a rather lengthy one, verses 30 through 44, where you had Jewish people who believed in Christ, but Christ said, you are of your father, the devil. Boy, he had some strong words, didn't he? Very strong. Wow, some of the strongest words words. that he's used uh, in Scripture. I think so. Let's turn to a a Bible passage that's very clear, very familiar, John 3.16. Let's all go to that together and and notice what that passage says and what it does not say. Now, I'm sure that if I were to ask you the question, uh, are you familiar with John 3.16, everybody would say, oh, yes, I am. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You notice every translation that I know of uses the word should there. If you'll notice in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should Should not not perish. perish. Doesn't mean he will not perish. He should not perish. Uh, It doesn't obligate the individual, I believe in Christ, therefore I'm saved and I'll always be saved. But the should there clearly indicates that believers face the possibility of perishing. Right. They can still face the possibility of it, even though that they've named the name of Christ. Right. Well, let's go a little further into this. It's made clear that um, a person is not saved at the moment of belief without further acts of obedience by the fact that acts of obedience are required. Uh, They are necessary for salvation. Now, I'll ask you to turn to Romans 10 and the verses 13 and 14. And uh, you'll recognize Romans chapter 10 because it talks about an element of salvation that is necessary with regard to being faithful to God and receiving the blessings of God. One of the things that we must do is hear the gospel. So turn with me as Nat reads it for us, Romans 10. The verse 13 and 14. All right. Um, Romans 10, uh, verses 13 and 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they've uh, they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Yeah. And, you know, 17 really picks that up uh, as well, the the end phrase there. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You know, faith begins, if you've never heard of of the gospel, uh, how could you have faith? And if you've never heard of Christ, how can you have faith in him? And so uh, our faith is developed um, by hearing the word of God. So it may be a... uh, a passive uh, uh, part of the salvation plan, or it's maybe not as uh, arduous, but but you've got to hear the word in order to have salvation. That is so true. How are we going to understand what God wants us to do if we have not read and studied or heard the gospel? Here's a familiar passage, something we must do. It's found for us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. In fact, two requirements are found for us. And the man of faith, the woman of faith, will turn 
and follow what Christ has said through the mouth of the Apostle Peter. In Acts chapter 2 and 38, the Bible says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what were they to do? What is essential for forgiveness? You've got yep. to repent. Two elements right there. That's yeah, you've got two elements right there. That other element there is to be baptized. That is immersed in water. And he tells us why. What's the purpose right. of it? For the remission of sins or that, for that, forgiveness? That's a good point right there, Jim, yeah. uh, that you just made. There's two elements here. But a lot of people, well, I, I've repented, and at some point along the line, I was baptized too. Um, you know, I was baptized into a certain church. I was baptized into this person's name, whatever. But, Jim, is it important what we're baptized for? Yes, it is. Uh, you know, if I was if I was baptized uh, for some other reason other than forgiveness of sins, is this the baptism of the New Testament? Right, so true. The point that we're making here is these are essential matters that must be complied with in order to receive that saving grace that we yes. all need. It is a matter of faith. It yes. is a matter of hearing the Word of God. But it's also a matter of repenting of sin yes. and being baptized. We could add confession to yes. this. Yes. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Let me read it quickly. And there we have a Bible passage that says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So he makes it very clear that there are some matters that are necessary to salvation. Hearing the word of God, repenting of sin, Acts 2.38, confessing the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 10.9 and 10, and one must be baptized, that is, immersed in water. The act, of obeying, uh, the act of being baptized actually stands between us and being saved. Yeah. Uh, we can believe, 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 but until we've met these elements of salvation, then we have not received the forgiveness of sins. Now, this doesn't mean anybody's working or earning their salvation. Right. No one can do that. We admit that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 teaches that, but it also teaches that there are certain things that we must do in order to receive God's grace. Absolutely. If you love me, Jim, you will keep my yeah, commandments. That's a good One verse. of the ways that we prove our love or show that we love God. And I, and I think this, you can understand this as a parent. You can understand, you know, if my children truly love me, you know, they're going to, they're going to do what I ask them to do because of that love. And if we truly love our, our Lord and savior, aren't we going to follow his commandments? Aren't we going to follow his teachings? Is, is that cumbersome? Is that burdensome? No, it's easy. And that's part of it. Our salvation plan is doing what the Lord has asked us to do. Do we have enough faith? Do we have enough belief to do what God has asked us to do through his holy word? Uh, it's it's essential part of salvation. Thank you, and we look forward to being with you again next time.